And now, the time fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the Trackstar Sports MMA main card with your man, The Voice. As always, let's start things off with headlines and hot takes. Conor McGregor claims he threw his hat in the ring to face Frankie Edgar at UFC 222. But he said in his Instagram post that the UFC couldn't generate the money in time. Hmm. Well, thanks to MMA Junkie who posted Edgar's coach Mark Henry's response. He said, and I quote, you ducked him three times in the past. Frankie and his manager Ali Abdelaziz asked for you by name specifically when Max went down. But we knew you were only take stylistically was a good matchup for you. And you ducked him three times already. Ooh, some scathing words for Connor. McGregor. What doesn't make sense to me is the whole generate the money in time. Colin McGregor generates money just by posting stuff. What does he mean generate the money in time? This fight is going to take place in Vegas. What does he mean generate the money in time? The fact that he will be on the card is proof enough that the money would have been there because it would have been a million plus pay-per-view and with that comes the money so mark henry called him out on his tomfoolery and yeah i would have to go with the coach on this one in other kind of mcgregor news two-time world as well as olympic champ and alum of the ohio state university kyle snyder offered to help him train his takedown defense for a possible showdown with Khabib Nurmagomedov. Hmm, so everybody's counting out the interim champ right now, huh? Sounds like the boogeyman is gonna be the light heavyweight division's worst nightmare. Especially if he gets past Khabib because everyone is counting him out on that. Then he wants to face McGregor which he should have been facing in the first place and that's a matchup that is stylistically not good for the Irishman can kind of knock anyone out with one punch possibly but El Kakui has a chin on him he's a fighter and all he's got to do is get it down to the ground and it's night night for Mr. Tap out himself Conor McGregor UFC 224 gets another high profile fight as Kevin Gastelum and Jacare Souza signed on the dotted line to tangle in Rio de Janeiro that pay-per-view will take place on May 12th and yeah stacking up to be a good one still being rumored that Amanda Nunez and Raquel Pennington 
will be fighting for the title on that card, but no headlining fight has been named as of yet. Weight cuts got another bout bumped off the card. This time it's UFC on Fox 28 and it's the fight between Gilbert Dorino Burns and Olivier Obama Mercier. Unfortunately, Dorino came in so overweight that they wouldn't even let him cut weight. Here's a quote from the UFC regarding it. Upon his arrival, the UFC medical team determined that it would be unsafe for Burns to cut additional weight necessary to meet the 165-pound limit. The UFC statement reads, The card will proceed as scheduled with 12 fights. This was supposed to be the Fight Pass feature prelim. Now it's going to be something else, but... Again, another one bites the dust, and it's because it's a little too much biting at the dinner table. Either that, or people are just trying to fight way too low as far as weight is concerned to get the advantage. What good is it to be the bigger man if you have to nearly kill yourself to get there? To close out headlines and hot takes on TMZ recently, Anderson the Spider Silver said, maybe the supplements I'm using are contaminated? I don't know. I'm just waiting. Because obviously, if I take these steroids, I'm stupid. Because I'm too old. I'm not at the start of my career. I'm at the finish. And I would have to agree, if Anderson is knowingly taking steroids, That's just a dumb, dumb move, especially seeing as he popped positive for performance-enhancing drugs just about a year or so ago. It would be really, really silly to continue to do something that would shorten and tarnish your illustrious career. He's still hoping to box Roy and to borrow a phrase from the co-main event podcast hashtag would still watch Bellator 194 took place last Friday at the Mohegan Sun Arena in Uncasville, Connecticut and it was Bellator's second installment for their heavyweight Grand Prix this time Roy Nelson took on Matt Mitrione Meathead won the first two rounds fairly clearly. Big Country won round three with some dominant ground and pound, had him in a crucifix, and it could have been a 10-8 round. One judge did see it that way. Had there been another one who'd seen it that way, then they would have had to go to sudden victory because it is a tournament and there has to be a winner. It cannot be a draw. So... That would have really messed some things up for them because both of them were exhausted uh, after that third round. And like the Highlander, there can only be one. Uh, fortunately for Mitrione, he was the one. Now, he went clean off on Roy Nelson earlier this week on 
uh, Ariel Helwani's show, The MMA Hour. He called him a cheater. He said he lost all respect for him and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, uh, I mean, we'll see how things go with them going forward. He's like, I'm not talking to him anymore. He's not my boy. He stuck his toe in the fence. He cheated. How can he talk about um, people on steroids when he's cheating too with his toe in the fence? Not granted. Are they both cheating? Yes. But taking steroids and looking for a a slight advantage in a fight by, you know, sticking your toe in the fence, those are two totally different things. Steroids can cause you to do some serious damage and harm to somebody. Now, could Roy have won the fight? Would that be in the case? Yes. And would that be damaging? Yes, because Mitrion arguably should already be the Bellator heavyweight champion. He's really rolling the dice by being in this Grand Prix. But at the same time, he's got to fight all comers anyway when it comes to defending the belt. So why not go through this process and cement his legacy even more? All right, you know your man, the voice has to come correct. And I want to give an editorial to last week. I thought that Derek Campos beat Patricky Ferreira, but actually Patricky was the one who held the win in their initial matchup. And he did it again, brother, knocking out the stallion in the first round this time. Heather Hardy. And Anna Hulatin, that fight was listed as the Voices Marquee matchup, and it was the marquee matchup for me because of the name value that these ladies brought to it. I saw Heather Heat Hardy fight in all of her fights there in Bellator. Her first fight, she showed her heart. She was a slugger. Second fight, same thing, showed her heart, just didn't work out for her. And I figured that with her being a striking specialist, being a boxing champion, and a Hulatin being a boxing champion, both of them being fairly new to MMA, that they would play to their strengths. But they didn't. And that made for some horrible, horrible television. And the fight was just way too new for TV I mean it screamed a beginner's match both of them were trying to take each other down to the ground and it didn't look like a professional mixed martial arts match it looked more so like something that you would see on uh, YouTube or World Star where two people get into a fight and they just keep grabbing each other's heads and trying to go down to the ground it was um It was not pretty, not pretty at all. Former light heavyweight champ Liam McGeary was looking to get back in the win column against Vadim Nemkov. But his wish was not Nemkov's command because Nemkov was bringing some leg kicks straight from Siberia and iced the former champion, stopping him with those strikes some heavy heavy devastating leg kicks uh, look real real good for Nemkov 
but not so good for McGeary as he's lost three out of his last four fights. I don't know where he goes from here, but I surely hope that he can rebound. Had a chance to meet him a couple times when Bellator came to St. Louis. Real nice guy, real genuine, warm-hearted guy. Just He just likes to fight, and uh, it's kind of happy-go-lucky, and I surely hope that he gets back on the winning side. Now, last week, I did not give a marquee matchup for the prelims of Bellator 194, and that was because the fight that I was looking forward to see, it wasn't listed everywhere as being a fight that was on the card. However, as I tuned into the prelims, what did I see but Gerard Trice and Walter Howard fighting, and that was the Voices Marquee matchup for the prelims. Trice is a world-class wrestling champion and one that Bellator has been grooming, just like they've been grooming uh, Ed Ruth and Tyrell Fortune. They've also been grooming uh, Jared Trice or Gerard Trice. He won his third pro fight in the Bellator cage versus Walter Howard. It was a unanimous decision for Trice but it was not one that he came out of unscathed in the second round Howard caught him with some hot ones and had him wobbling across the ring took some steps that uh, weren't the uh, most stable steps but Trice pulled it together then came back and hurt Howard so it was a real nice back and forth fight I'll say this about Howard for fighting someone who is known across the nation for their wrestling prowess, man's got a good, good defensive wrestling in his repertoire. I mean, I don't remember Trice taking him down that often, but he sure did shoot a lot of shots, uh, just like someone shooting a shot in the DMs. Yeah, it wasn't going over on Howard. However, uh, Valiant, Howard's fight was, he did succumb to the pressure and the striking of Trice. The UFC hosted one of its rare Sunday night events as UFC Fight Night 126 commenced in Austin, Texas. The headliner for the fight was Donald Cowboy Cerrone and Yancey Maderos. A lot of talk has been made about the friendliness that Maderos and Cerrone had. I mean, at the weigh-ins, Maderos brought Cerrone this really nice-looking cowboy hat. Uh, it was a bunch of hugging going on. I mean, uh, there was a lot that happened. But one thing that didn't happen a lot of was fighting because the fight was stopped in round one KO for Cowboy who needed it very much so as he was on a three fight losing streak that KO victory tied him for the most victories in UFC history the co-main event saw Derek Lewis defeat 
Marcin Tybur. And that defeat earned the Black Beast a performance of the night bonus as he came back in the third and final round to knock Tybura out. Then the Black Beast cut a memorable promo and right after that, Nate Diaz got five seconds that has been all the talk of the MMA world. Man, you know you big time. When you get mentioned by every major outlet covering the sport, for being on a cutaway if you want to see it you may have some difficulty as the UFC has worked hard to remove it from every possible place that it could be when your stars are on TV breaking the law that kind of thing might happen Tiago Alves welcomed Curtis Curtis Melinda by allowing him to get a performance of the night bonus in his first fight in the UFC with a knee KO uh, nicely knocking Pitbull out. Living up to his moniker, Melinda walked off multiple times in an effort not to hurt Alves as he felt he did enough damage for the fight to be over. The ref didn't see it that way, so Curtis Curtis kept putting the hurt on him until... The ref said he'd seen enough. In the fight between Northcutt and Goatee, some saw it the Frenchman's way, but the opinions that counted saw it for Super Sage Northcutt as he picked up his second victory in a row, second fight under the Team Alpha Male banner, and it was also a unanimous decision. The Voices Marquee matchup for the prelims was a battle for the Sanchez name as Joby Sanchez took on Roberto Sanchez. Now, Roberto sunk in a rear naked choke for the victory in the first round. This took place after a slam to the mat that rocked Roberto, but he was determined to get the finish and got the win. Closing off the recap, the fight of the night was between Brandon Davis and Steven Peterson. It was a unanimous decision win for Davis, but the scores are all over the place. One judge had it 30 to 27, another had it 28 to 29, and then another one saw it 30 to 26. The only correlating data between all three cards was that the judges saw it for Davis. The UFC is heading back to Orlando for UFC on Fox 28. Stevens versus Emmett in the Amway Center, the home of the Orlando Magic. The odds makers have it pretty even, but the Team Alpha Male product, Josh Emmett, has been groomed for greatness and his camp has always believed that he will be the champion one day. He only has one loss, and the majority of his wins have come by decision, but his last victory was a KO over the perennial contender, Ricardo Lamas. Stevens is also coming off of a KO victory. That KO took place here in St. Louis, my hometown, over the Korean Superboy just back in January. The winner of this fight will be probably be in the top five of the bantamweight division 
and able to get some fights with some of those bigger names. Jessica Andrade is taking on Tisha the Tiny Tornado Torres in the co-main event. Andrade is the biggest favorite on this card and has experience fighting Torres' fiance, Raquel Pennington. Now, having Pennington in her corner may give Torres an advantage as Pennington finished Andrade with a rear naked choke back when they fought in 2015. The Voices Marquee matchup for the main card is Ovent St. Prue versus Alir Latifi. OSP is riding a three-fight win streak, and all three of those fights came by stoppage. The Sledgehammer, though, he's looking to build a win streak of his own. As his last fight that he lost, he was stopped by current Bellator champion Ryan Bader, but that was back in September 2016. Since then, injuries have sidelined the sledgehammer, though he did beat the surging Tyson Pedro in his last outing. That was also in September, but of 2017. Latifi is fairly even in his methods of victory, but his KOs, man, those are some things of beauty. Now, known for his submission prowess, OSP, though, most of his victories have come by KO than any other method. So standing or on the ground, he's a dangerous matchup. And this has all the makings of a standout bout. The curtain jerker for UFC on Fox 28 pits Platinum Mike Perry versus Max Payne Griffin. And I'm throwing this one in as a bonus fight. These two have been very friendly in the past, and they started their UFC careers on the same fight card. Now, they're pit against each other. Both of them are coming off of losses, and both of them like to knock people out. Now, Perry, Perry can be a polarizing person, and he's got a very interesting backstory, which we'll cover more in Blood, Sweat, and Tears. The prelims for this fight card are stacked. You got Henning Burrell versus Brian Kelleher. The Olympian Sarah McMahon versus Marion, the Belizean bruiser, Renault. You got Miranda Morose versus Angela over Kill Hill. But the voices marquee matchup for the prelims pits Alan Joban versus Killer B, Ben Saunders. Now, Killer B will be fighting at home, and Joban, who is a model, really is looking to reinvent himself after his second consecutive loss. In an interview with MMA Junkie, he said that he was reinvigorated. He's looking to use his jujitsu defensively so he can keep the fight on the feet where he feels he has the advantage. For Saunders, it's been 11 years since he's fought at home. And in a scrum after the open workouts, he said it doesn't even feel like a fight camp because he hadn't had to travel. Outside of looking to peak at the right time, this is his regular routine. He thinks he's one of the best because he's always looking 
to improve, not just refine technique. Joe Van says that he wants to go out with Saunders and celebrate after the fight. But until then, both of them will be looking for ways to take the other person out. Now it's time for blood, sweat, and tears. This is where we look past the fighter and into the heart of the athlete. This week, we spotlight Platinum Mike Perry. I first heard of his nomadic story on Five Rounds with Brett Akimoto. Talked about living in a mobile home on the parking lot of where his father worked them running out of gas and having to walk and, and beg up some money so they can get the mobile home back to where he will be working but this week he gave a deeper look into his less than ideal upbringing on the MMA hour with Ariel Helwani Mike Perry said that he went to 12 different schools 12 different schools and that wasn't just in the course of his career as a student that was just for high school now school takes place over 12 different years and that will be one a year but this is high school that we're talking about and because he was always moving from school to school and the curriculums were different at each school they were in different spots he was always behind now Perry is a American of European descent but he fits in more so with those of African descent as he went about in the streets of Flint Michigan he learned the ways of the street became a real hood dude and you know start applying his trade dropped out of school when he was 17 years old because he only had about half the credits that he needed to graduate at that point when he dropped out he also left home and started living with some of his friends they would pull their money together and pay the rent and the different bills that they had and they would get it by whatever means that they needed to. Perry had some, you know, minimum wage jobs, whether it be uh, yard work or uh, working at a restaurant or something of that nature. He also sold weed and got into burglaries with his roommates, his crew. Now, the burglaries, they got him locked up. And he couldn't even do that right. He got two years of house arrest. And the last six months of that time, he was in jail for flunking a drug test. And when he was in jail, no one helped him. He was oftentimes left there by himself. Uh, some people would come to see him. Some wouldn't. Some would sign up to come see him. His girlfriend specifically. But then wouldn't show up. And that was really heartbreaking and left him down. Also during this time, like I said, he had no help in the means of finances. Which meant he had no money on his books. And he talked about how being in prison, yes, you get three meals. 
but those meals are minimal and without any money on your books you are hungry nothing for your personal goods like deodorant and toilet paper and things of that nature no money for anything but he as a fighter does fought his way out of that situation found a way to survive found a way to make money by getting a job within the prison system and he said though it was a horrible time that it really helped him with finding himself and sure enough he did the weekend he came out of prison after his first day out he went to a UFC gym and started training there he got a job and he continued to train as an amateur fighter then went to the pros and now he gets to fight at home in front of the people that have seen this transformation up front and personal and they'll watch him ply his trade he's a fighter he loves to fight loves to get hit in the face now he gets paid to do what he loves and his old destructive life is a thing of the past to keep up with Trackstar Sports like the Trackstar Sports Facebook page follow us on Instagram and Twitter join the discussion in the Debate Fuel Facebook group new content gets released every day except for Sunday on anchor.fm forward slash Trackstar Sports subscribe to Trackstar Sports on Apple Podcasts Google Play Overcast, Pocket Cast, you name it. Wherever you get your favorite podcast from, subscribe to Trackstar Sports. And don't forget to tune in to our flagship program, Debate Fuel, which airs live on Periscope on Saturday mornings. Or you can listen to that podcast on SoundCloud. Until next time, it's your man, The Voice, Trackstar Sports MMA correspondent bringing you the MMA main card and I'm sounding off.